It's time for Cubicle Insanity. I've got Kim here with me and I'm Tammy. We're back together again to talk a little about that which we love, corporate America. Our podcast is a discussion about the real insanity from cubicles in the workplace, from leadership and leaders to experiences with life in the cubicles. So let's get into our latest cubicle insanity. Kim, today the plan is to do a book report. Are you ready? A book report? Did you oh do your gosh. homework? I feel like I'm in high school again or grade school. Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a throwback today, a, a book review. So, the book. Well, first of all, we thought a book would be interesting because we hear about books all the time that help with leadership or help with management or maybe uh, personal self help books and and all these things. So we thought, well, let's dive into a couple that are being talked about and see what they have to say. Okay, sounds good. So the book that we are reviewing today is called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John C. Maxwell. 21 sounds like a lot. Well, you know what? We're going to get into that, but we'll find out. Do you need to do all 21? Hmm. Hmm. Good question. It is a good question. We'll answer that throughout the book review. Yeah, I hope hope that you have your paper ready to go. But to introduce our book, I am going to share some words from Stephen Covey who wrote the foreword in this book. And he says about the book, it serves as sort of a manifesto for his teaching and his life. Study this book and you will have gotten to know John Maxwell, the person, as well as his philosophy of leadership. When the 21 Laws was first published in 1998, I could see immediately how practical and applicable the laws were. They still are. For over three decades, John Maxwell has earned his reputation as a communicator. And as he says, communicators, make the complex simple. Rather than an esoteric examination of leadership, this book is more like a foundational instruction manual. With each chapter, you will get to know individuals who did or some who didn't obey the law in question. The law itself is defined clearly and simply. And most importantly, John will give you the specific steps for applying it to the leadership in your office, community, family, or church. Are you ready to dig in? Sounds interesting. Let's dig in. Okay, Kim, before we even get into the laws, there we asked, do you have to do 21 things to be a successful leader? And here was a, a quote that I wrote down from the book that he says, despite the fact that we must do 21 things well to be excellent leaders, that's half the quote. So I think there he is telling us that we uh, have to do all 21 to be excellent leaders. Okay. But he says, it is reality that none of us does them all well. I think that's probably fair based so, upon what I've read. Yeah. So I think he's setting us up as being a, a, an excellent leader is growing and developing throughout that process and mm-hmm. sort of maybe uh, adjusting in, in the different yeah. situations that you're in. So the 21 is sort of the breadth and depth and keeps you uh, developing and looking for more. Yeah, and I think the 21 gives you different things to think about and work on because some some you build and you automatically do. And so that memory, muscle memory is there and then you can refer back to the book, right? To say, what else can I do better or different to continue to grow? Yeah, which, which should be the next law that right. I'm looking at. Yeah. So did you have some, um, after you read the book, was there any of the laws that stood out to you um, as like the top two or three? 
Yeah, there definitely there was. And so as part of my my book report, I went with three. There was three I think that I had aha moments with. Not that any not that any of the 21 are things that I've never thought about or considered or seen in action, but just maybe the way it was presented in these. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, okay, aha. Like now looking back maybe at different situations, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So what were the three that you went with? Okay. Kim, let's start with the law of addition. Leaders add value by serving others. Hmm. Right? So in general, I mean, that sounds... I th- everyone probably thinks, oh, that sounds really nice. But in all honesty, how often probably does it happen? Yeah. So a couple of the key things that I took away, the law of addition, is he says to ask yourself for this particular law, are you making things better for the people who follow you? And I think that we both have worked for people or, you know, have had leaders in our organization where we probably definitely would say, no, they're not thinking about the people who are following them. Right. Or at least it appears that, you know, they have different interests at heart. So to me, that was a, a really great question because as a leader and some of the, the laws sort of are a domino effect. One impacts the other, impacts the other. So we'll see um, in, in my second favorite one is... Wait, can I ask that, you a question about the first one? Yeah, I'm not so, done with the first one okay. either. Um, but we're going to see that also there's, you know, like your actions and how yeah. they stand out too. So are you making... People are watching you. Are you making it better for others? Because he also talks about the uh, CEO for this particular example in the book. So he gives great examples, real life examples. So he talks about the CEO of Costco. And I have, you know, I think Costco is known for Mm -hmm. that it's a great place to work, that the people, you know, that work there, that they're treated well, there's great employee engagement. And one thing that this CEO really stresses, and he meets with, you know, each of the I'm going to call it store managers. I forgot the word. Um, And he really reinforces all the time that it's improper for one person to take credit when it takes so many people to build a successful organization. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. I mean, if everybody acted that way, wouldn't that be great? Absolutely. Because how many times has somebody taken credit for what you did? Happens often. Often. And here's a CEO that is really making sure that that doesn't happen, that it's all the people together that are making it successful. So the the one quote that, uh, and this could be, you know, uh, my uh, math major coming out in me here, but he says, subtractors don't realize they are subtracting from others. Only a matter of time before his impact on others goes from subtraction to division. Sounds like a math equation to me. Right? And so, of course, that spoke to me volumes. The subtractors don't know they're subtractors. So true. Right. And if they keep subtracting, it causes a division. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why, was it the the math or the sharing the credit? Um, a lot of things in that just, I was like, wow, I, I feel like there should be T-shirts, you know, with this on it. Yeah. So do you think that um, as a leader, you could ask the question, like, what can I do to help or what help do you need? 
Is that like the serving? Yeah. Help, I think, can be interpreted a lot of different ways. Yeah. So maybe it's more around what barriers do you have? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, even the question of what do you need to be successful in this project, in this role, in this initiative, whatever it is. I think help can be taken a couple of different yeah, ways. Sure. So that I think that if they're asking more specifically about that, the environment, because again, if it's it's not about the maybe even that individual, it's about that team and mm -hmm. how do we make that group of people successful? Okay. Have, have you that, that's that makes sense. That's a good question. Have you ever had a leader ask you, what can I be doing for you? Or how can I help you uh with whatever's happening, what barriers do you have? How do I remove that for you? Um, yeah, I have. And it's, it's quite frankly, a manager or a leader that I would want to work for again. Yeah. And if I think, you know, just kind of rapid fire here real quick, some of the other managers that I've worked for that haven't asked that, I'm not so inclined to be interested in working for them again. Yeah. Because the the thing that I was thinking about when I was, you know, reading this or even the example about this Costco CEO is he's involved, he understands the business, he understands what's happening, but he's not being a micromanager. He's not getting into the weeds mm -hmm. where maybe he shouldn't be, but he's still leading yeah. and still, you know, giving credit to the people, helping the people along, all of those types of things. So. That I think that's, I completely agree with you. The people who do that well, I think, are the ones that when I look back over the various leaders that I go, that one stands out. Yeah. Made me yeah. smile. So your second. The second one. Okay. I, I, the one, the next one, and this is where I was saying there's kind of a domino effect. And I think that, you know, these two sort of go together and that's, it's called the law of the picture. People do what people see. Monkey do, monkey see, monkey see, <laughs> monkey do. What's yeah. the, I was, I, I can't yeah. remember it, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, and in this particular law, he talks a lot about, and I wrote down this quote because I, this is, I think the, this was the aha. This is what spoke to me. Leaders are stewards of the vision. Hmm. I think sometimes we think of leaders leading the vision and they're, they're taking us on, on this ride, which they are but they're stewards of it. And so it's really for them to model it and communicate it. So being a, being a steward is, I should have looked up the definition so I could quote it for you. But to me, it's, it's more of in encompassing that particular vision and not just telling other people what the vision is. So is it um, setting the example and leading by example? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, okay. I know you love that. The, um, and, and, and the communicating of it in a way, not just putting it on a, a slide or putting it in a frame, but actually communicating about it and what does it mean and why is it important and ongoing. So I have, I have worked for companies where like the vision you know, maybe is it once a year, you know, they dust it off and, you know, at some maybe all hands type of meeting or something, the vision is the first slide put up there. Mm -hmm. I think also being a steward is that daily, all the time modeling it and continually communicating about it. Because if the vision is that important, it's not just shelfware. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, 
I've had a client group that I support and they're very good. The leader is very good about it. Just about every staff meeting, which is once a month, reiterating the vision. Like, what are we trying to accomplish? How are we doing against that? It's not about looking at the, the metrics of, of what everybody's doing, but he's like razor fo laser focused on like, are you, are we doing this? Are we going to achieve this? Right. Kind of that recentering and realigning yeah. back to, are we making sure that the things yeah. in, that we're doing and the decisions we're making support yeah. this vision? I love that. Yeah. The, um, you know, he talks a lot about even, you know, different teachings and things that he's done and how he won't teach anything. So these 21 laws, he's obviously tried them all. He won't teach anything that he hasn't tried to live out himself. So hmm. I think if our leaders think of it that way too, then you're sort of uh, embodying the whole organization while you're modeling this vision mm -hmm. and how it applies. Because a lot of times there might be those people who, you know, feel like they're far removed. You know, they're the seven degrees of separation from the CEO and they don't know what that vision means to them because it's so big. Right. So being able to make sure that everybody can see and hear the vision in a way that applies to them. When you were reading the book, did it come up with any examples like how folks at the lowest level of the organization are the furthest away from the leader, how a leader is communicating that vision to them? Not specifically in those okay. words, but it, it was it was still around being that role model okay. for for all of them. Um, making it come alive for all of the people who you, that, you know, you want to be supporting yeah. this vision. So yeah. not in, or at least I should say, not that I remember, not that I wrote down in my book report, but yeah. um, it was more just sort of in general that, that being a steward at all levels. I, I think that that's probably a hard one to do um, only because if you're not directly talking to the folks that are at the entry level, assuming that the leader is at the most senior yeah. position mm -hmm. of, of a company, um, that when when that is communicated to their staff, it doesn't get filtered as it goes down the vision and then it stays true up and down the organization. Yeah. And well, and you know, part of this and, and probably from some of the other laws as well is about that don't just repeat it live it so i'm modeling it and i'm living it every day and you who report to me i want you to do the same so that the people who report to you and it becomes part of the the culture if you will and not now now we're making it living and breathing sure instead of you know just something that the yeah, yeah. That the ceo talks about so when i was thinking about this one a little bit that like how how would you like describe this i think like for the first one you know um there's obviously this it's sort of you know um treating everybody well the first law we talked about and this one to me kind of came down to there's a little bit of your integrity so as we talk about people do what people see so now your integrity is sort of spotlighted so if you're expecting that people are watching what you're doing 
you're going to do the right thing. And if this vision is so important, you're going to be modeling that mm-hmm. vision. So it came down to um, integrity. And one of the questions that uh, someone has asked um, our, our pal, John C. Maxwell, was, which is toughest, leading up, across, or down? Kim, do you want to guess what he answered? My guess, because I haven't read the book, um, he probably said leading down. Okay. I would have thought the same thing. However, I have in quotes here, so I know that I took it right from the book. Leading myself is the toughest. Hmm. Oh, you got us, John C. Maxwell. <laughs> you outsmarted us. And I think I, I, you know, I included that here in my notes because it's true. Oftentimes it's easy, you know, to sit in your chair, to sit in your cubicle and be maybe a little bit judgy of, you know, who's sitting across the wall from you or from, you know, something that a leader is doing. But, the, okay, so if I'm full of cliches today, there's one about people in glass houses, don't throw stones or don't throw right. stones if you, yeah. I can't get a single one right today. Um, anyway. Maybe we'll do a podcast on just cliches. On cliches. I'll get them all wrong, <laughs> but you can try to guess which I, what I'm really trying to quote. Um, and so are we, are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? solution yeah. Are you, are you demonstrating, modeling, communicating, you know, doing your job such that if people are watching you and nobody's perfect. So of course there's, you know, going to be little hiccups here and there, but anyway, so I thought that question was also very telling um, of this law, the law of the picture. People do what people see. Yeah. That's interesting. Leading myself is the toughest is the quote. Yeah. And, and you're right. You know, you do have people as we sit in our cubicles and they're like the quote unquote Monday morning, armchair quarterback they're second guessing what everybody's doing yeah versus maybe contributing contributing yeah and i think we all do it so again we're all guilty of it not that these are the three best laws but they were the three that made me go oh yeah yes but i like that quote leading myself is the toughest Mm -hmm. yeah something you got to think about every day really you do and Think about, you know, the others around you mm-hmm. and are they doing that as well? Yeah. And maybe it's not about, well, you know, Susie Q, as you like to call her, yeah. Susie Q, she should be whatever, whatever. But yeah. rather, if you're maybe even going to be, if you think about, I'm a contributor, but I can also lead in my own way. How do you help them, Right. you know, yeah. get on the bus? So, okay, that was law two. Should we, uh, I have one more that I uh, that kind of jumped out at me. You want to hear it? Sure. Okay. It's called The Law of the Lid. Probably my least favorite title. Does LID stand, is it an acronym for no. something? <laughs> it's like a lid, like of a container, I think. Okay. Lid. So, it, the, 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 it's called The Law of the Lid. Leadership ability determines a person's level of effectiveness. And to be honest with you, like I, when I was reading this, I was like, uh, those words, I'm not sure that they really even make sense to me. So as, as you read through this, this one is, has a great example. And I know that you have talked about uh, McDonald's and your great experience with McDonald's. And so the example he gives is around these McDonald brothers and they 
created a, a, a drive-in restaurant. So in that time, you know, cars, whatever year it was, because I didn't write that down, you know, cars were becoming a big deal and people like to eat in their cars. So mm-hmm. they made this this drive-in restaurant, drive-in restaurant, very innovative, on point, and huge success, huge success. They, as as they're doing this drive-in restaurant, they created uh, a system in which they wanted to fill every order in 30 seconds or less. That's true. That was was that that was the rule when I worked there. Was it 30 seconds or less? Hence yep. fast food, I guess. Yep. We call that now fast food. Yep. What they called it then though, that that the McDonald brothers invented. So this drive-in restaurant was, you know, their their place of business. What they, but they're known for inventing was the speedy service system. That was what it was called. This hmm. deliver the, the order in 30 seconds or less. Yep. So they had great uh, thought leadership, innovation, and talent in creating this system. And they thought, we're, we're just so wildly successful in, in this McDonald's drive-in restaurant we have. Let's make more of them. And so as they tried to do this, you know, they, they, they were learning and, and, and growing a little. And they thought, well, maybe we should franchise. You know, how do we do this? Anyway, what they learned is they're not so good at that whole franchising or growing part, what they were really good at is the service part hmm. and creating this this system. So they uh, were introduced to a guy named Ray Kroc. The famous Ray Kroc. The famous Ray Kroc. And he is the one who is able to take McDonald's into this, you know, global... The stratosphere that it's in. Yeah, exactly. So the McDonald brothers had a certain uh, talent and, and capability. So the law of the lid, they hit their lid, if you will. Hmm. Okay. When it came to growing the business in terms of like franchising or adding more restaurants. So they had great amounts of talent in a different area, but they couldn't take this particular restaurant business any further where Ray Kroc comes in. Now his lid is at a different level, so he's able to be more effective in that role. Interesting. Did it um, compare or contrast or give examples of what the McDonald brothers, why they weren't successful? Like what what capabilities did they not have that maybe Ray Kroc had to differentiate? Okay, so... Was there any examples like that? I think there was, and so I'm trying to open the book quickly. Here we go, Law of the Lid. Let me uh, check it out here. So, oh, Dick and Maurice in case you were wondering about their names, the McDonald brothers. And um, so they went from a drive-in to a walk-up. So they were trying different things to make it successful. And they were making more and more profits all the time on, on trying these these different things. And... So what they what the, what uh, our pal Mr. Maxwell is saying in this book is that they you know hit this jackpot and so are they the you know greatest thing and so he he says no they're not because the lid so that's where he's saying that mm-hmm. lid comes in so they were crazy successful in up to a certain point mm-hmm. which I mean they could have been totally happy with and and satisfied and. So they're talking about 
that when they tried to do, uh, they were able to open another restaurant themselves, but when they were trying to, to go even further, they just didn't, it, it, he says that they just lack the leadership to make it a larger enterprise. So they were good at running a single business or maybe the, the two that they had opened and they were increasing their profits and they were very efficient. Mm-hmm. But that was, he sort of starts, he doesn't go into detail here. He starts talking a little bit about they were efficient at managing that, but they weren't leaders. Okay, so not leaders and not a bigger vision. They sort of had the bigger vision that they wanted it to grow, but not the the skills to execute. Yeah. To grow it to the to, to the size that it is well, today or back. Right. Right. So one of the first things Ray Kroc did is he brought in a team of people. So another uh, law, I mean, sort of knowing how to build, build up the right team right. To, to support your vision. So that was the first thing he did is he brought in the right people. So the um, McDonald's, great at their speedy service or delivering orders in less than 30 seconds, but not having that leadership and vision to take it to that to the next level to that next oh, level okay yeah so the the interesting thing so as the the story goes and going through this particular law of the lid the okay so that was a super interesting story easy to co- sort of see here's right. where they stopped and here's where ray Kroc could take it further but the aha moment here for me was Mr. Maxwell says, to change the direction of the organization, you need to change the leader. So when we look at the McDonald's and Ray Kroc, we can see we change out the leader there and the organization goes so much mm-hmm. further. And I, if that's your vision and that's what success is, then you, by changing out the leader, now you've achieved it. And I think the reason that this was an aha moment for me and probably many people is Let's say maybe a new leader comes in and maybe it's, you know, the person that you're reporting to, maybe it's someone above them. They come in and there is that sort of innate fear that they're going to clean house mm-hmm. and they're going to bring in their people, the people that they like, people that they've worked with before. And I, I've always, I have felt that. I have seen it happen. And there's always been a little bit of a negative to me about that. Like I, I have negative feelings about that, a little sour taste in my mouth about that because we might have already existing great people and you know, there's no reason just to clean house and, and this. And so I think this is why it spoke to me because to change the direction of the organization, he gave us this great example to go from one or two restaurants to this whole franchise, they needed to change the leader. So to change the direction of the organization, you have to change the leader. It makes good sense it's obvious right it is obvious when you think about it that way yeah but when you're the one who's sitting there watching it happen sometimes and it's a little bit scary it's a little bit like oh who do they think they are right it goes back to that second guessing from your cubicle right yeah yeah exactly um that i was like that is i i feel a little silly for ever having those negative thoughts thinking back on it but you know, maybe working for a company. I've worked for companies that have changed out CEOs. And that's always alarming. You come to work on Monday morning and all of a sudden you've got this new CEO. 
And, you know, the press release is out before you even get to work. So by the time right. you get to work, everybody's already talking about it. Yeah, chattering about it. Yeah. And there's always that, like, oh, they, like, what did the old CEO do wrong? Right. You know? And so there's a little bit of that shock. And again, like, what's going to happen in the organization? Mm-hmm. But it's it's not about all of the people in the organization. It's about the direction. Yeah. So... Maybe an organization is successful in certain eyes, but if they want to take the organization, whether it's the entire one at a CEO level or or, or below, where should that organization be going? And can the person in that chair, are they going to be impacted by this law of the lid? Are they hitting their lid? Yeah, they hit their lid. I would also say, you know, just along your comment about, you know, being worried about, you know, hey, new CEO and things like that. One, you can't influence it if you're an employee, right? So you can't worry about it. Yes, exactly. You know, you, yeah, you can think about it and worry that it's going to impact you. But if you're a good employee, typically you're not impacted. Yeah. And sometimes the change in leadership doesn't mean a change in team. It just means truly a change in direction. Yeah, which can be great. Right. Yeah. You can only control what you can control. Yeah. And sometimes the changing yeah. of those leaders, you can't, but right. knowing. So now I have it tucked in, in the back of my yeah. mind. Everybody tuck it away that to change the direction of an organization, change the leader. Simple and obvious. So those were those were my, I think, my three favorites. What do you think of those? Well, I think that those were excellent. I think it's a comprehensive uh, book report. Other... Thank, oh, thank you. Is that an A? Did I just get an A on my book report? Well, there's 21. <laughs> 21 laws. We covered three, but uh, yes, I would give you an A+. plus. Okay, nice, nice. I will give you one more quote as we uh, wrap this up. Um, our pal uh, John C. Maxwell says, the one thing you need to know about leadership is there's more than one thing you need to know about leadership. Hmm. So... Keep growing. Don't 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 think. Oh, what's that one thing I need to do? Not just one thing. Yeah, because right, every every law that he references in his book doesn't apply in every single moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Kim, I'm going to state the obvious. A little Let's recap it. of it. Uh, don't subtract, which leads to dividing. Demonstrate leadership. Model it. Communicate it. And then third, new leaders can be a breath of fresh air. Hmm. So there you go. Anything to add? No, those are all great. I would just like to say, Tammy, well done on the uh, book report. Thank you. And uh, yep, let's let's give it an A+. Nice. I'll take it. <laughs> so um, first, thank you for listening. And if you're interested, you can follow us on Twitter at Cubicle Insanity. You can follow us on our Facebook visit our website, and also we'd like to thank our sponsors. Oh, that's right. We still don't have any. (laughs) A girl can wish. But I think we're getting close to getting some. So if you want to be one, just get in contact with us, and we'll be happy to um, have you as a sponsor. Also like to thank our active military and our veterans for their service. So please stay tuned for our next episode of Cubicle Insanity.